Welcome everybody back to the A-Game Podcast and back with another one here on a beautiful Monday morning. So excited to share it with you all. I'm your host, Aiden O'Neill, as always. We had a bunch of upsets yesterday in the NFL. The NBA season is right around the corner, college football, MLB playoffs, it is all here. And I'm going to start in the MLB. Before that, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Obviously, I had that debut here at Arizona State for CSL. A lot of great support when I posted on my podcast. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for everything over the last couple weeks. More to come. That's all I got to say, and I can't wait to continue to share content in every single way. Moving on, the MLB playoffs are here. And they've been here, but it seems that now we're getting those close games between great teams that we have been waiting. And now there will be a Game 7 tonight between the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. Let's start with that series. This series has been dominated by the road team. A home team hasn't won one game throughout the entire seven-game stretch. Very similar to that 2019 World Series that we saw between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros, where the Nats ended up beating them in seven games in Houston. Could this be the same type of series? We see Houston tonight. They're throwing Max Scherzer, and there's a lot of question marks. Obviously, we know Max is one of the best pitchers of all time, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But Max has been dealing with a ton of injuries that have been preventing him from being his normal self. And he just came back last start, and he got rocked a little bit. Balls were being left over the middle of the plate. He was getting punished. You know, it it's just hasn't been the same Scherzer. And then Christian Javier on the other side has been one of the best playoff pitchers in the whole postseason. Throughout the course of his career, he's posted a phenomenal ERA, phenomenal numbers. And... It's going to be a tall task for the Rangers in that building of Minute Maid Park to go out there today and get a win. Two great coaches, Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, two vets. They've done it for so long. Who is ready to take that crown? I think this is more of an interesting story than people are talking about. Dusty and Boch have kind of coached during the same era, and this could be a Big determining factor when we're comparing them down the road. I think this game really could be. And now you ask, what are the keys to both teams succeeding tonight? Well, I'm going to start with Houston. Jordan Alvarez is the best hitter in the postseason right now. He's the most feared hitter. You look at him and you compare him to a David Ortiz in a 2013 World Series. You look at him and even compare him. I know this is a stretch to a Barry Bonds because that's how dominant he really has been. A presence in the box more than anything. You have to work around Jordan. On the other side, Adolis Garcia. I want to get to that story. We saw what happened in game five. And Adolis Garcia hits the biggest home run of his life. And he pimps it. And he's rounding the bases. And does a illustrious bat flip. And the Astros don't like it. And if you want to sit there and say that when they hit him the next time around. When Brian Abreu was on the mound. when you, If you want to say that is not intentional. You are simply wrong. And I'll tell you exactly why it was intentional. That situation, down by two runs, runner on first, no outs. You would never hit a guy, especially 99 up and in at the shoulder, when you need to get outs. That just doesn't add up. And I know Brian Abreu. He does not hit guys. He has good command. And that was 99 up and in. Could have hit him in the face. 
So just not a clean play. And and Adolis knows that Maldi called that, so he turns around and he has a word. And I completely agree with that, how he approached that situation. But to go in game six and then hit the biggest home run of the game, a grand slam, a line drive to left in that short ballpark, and prove every doubter wrong after going 0 for 4 is special. He has something to prove in game seven. He can go out there and be a hero for Texas. We've seen the Texas Rangers get to this point time and time again. If you're a Rangers fan, you were like, when will it end? When will we get over that hump? You look at 2010, they go to the World Series, they play the San Francisco Giants, a series they should win. They don't. 2011, they're arguably the best team, one of the best teams the league has seen with Beltre, Hamilton, Knapp. I mean, so many great players. They go to the World Series, lose to the St. Louis Cardinals. After the David Freeze iconic home run, we'll see you tomorrow night, as Joe Buck said. So both sides... You go into this game, it's a game seven, anything can happen. Both have electric offenses, but I hate to be that guy and come on here and pick the Astros, but I think that's who it's going to be. Now, I'm going to be rooting for the Texas Rangers because they're a young team, this fan base deserves it, but in that same breath, Houston just feels like they're going to get it done tonight. They were my pick to make the World Series and lose to the Atlanta Braves, and now that that Braves team is out... I very well could see them winning the whole thing. It seems that Jose Altuve has taken this whole villain arc. Yes, this team is cheaters, 100%. Should have had that 2017 title stripped. But what they have been able to do on a consistent basis every single year, seven straight ALCSs, winning the World Series last year is so impressive. It's ridiculously impressive. Jose Altuve, I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame because of the whole cheating scandal, but... He's one of the best second basemen I've ever seen play in my life. Um, And that big home run he had in game five and constantly making big plays, embracing that villain arc as the boos echo every opposing stadium he enters is wildly insane, impressive. I mean, I don't even know how to put it. But, you know, when he's in Houston, he doesn't really have to embrace that villain arc. So we'll see how he performs. Kyle Tucker has done absolutely nothing this series, you know, 29 bombs, 112 RBIs in the regular season, 284 average. I've always preached that I think Kyle Tucker is one of the most underrated players in the league. Kind of just goes about his business, but he possesses all five tools on the baseball field and he can impact the game in a variety of ways. So Houston has more game changers in my eyes. Now, who's going to outmanage one another? Well, I think both of these managers stack up equally. I talked about this earlier. So that's not an issue. And then the bullpens. Which bullpen do I trust more? They're both pretty shaky. We saw Ryan Stanek come in last night and just blow it completely. It was terrible. And then, you know, Neris is, is nails. We don't know if Abreu is going to play tonight with the appeal, the suspension. So we'll see what happens there. And then on the other side, Texas. You know, you have LeClerc who has been shaky. But, man, getting out of that inning last night after Boach pulls spores in a big moment. And he says, LeClerc, go get me a four-out save. Um, that takes some some guts, and that was huge. And, you know, you have Chapman, obviously, who's hit or miss. So both bullpens possess question marks, and it's going to be interesting to see how these coaches manage it. If I were to give you a prediction, a final score prediction, I'm going to go Houston 6-4. to four. Um, I hate to say it. You know, I know not if any of you guys are going to like to hear that, but 
I think Houston's just a little bit better, and I think in a big moment they're going to break this road streak and get it done tonight. Moving on to the other series, we had the Arizona Diamondbacks after everybody wrote them off. When they come back home to Phoenix, they win two games in miraculous fashion, led by Alec Thomas, big home runs, led by a dominant pitching staff, and led by a vibrant crowd that was loud for all 27 outs. It was amazing. I was there game five, obviously a poor result for the home team. We saw Bryce Harper just continue to dominate. Kyle Schwarber might have hit the farthest home run I've ever seen in my life. It was very, very fun. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens here in game six. Merrill Kelly and Aaron Nola. Well, we know about Aaron Nola. He has been one of the best pitchers in the postseason. Just dominant. We know Citizens Bank Park. Nobody wants to play there. And a lot of their pitchers embrace this crowd and really take it home. It's hard to imagine a world where Philadelphia loses this game. That's how great the home impact is. They're 49-32 and 32 at home during the regular season. This is the place. This is one of the most hostile environments ever. I'm looking at the ticket prices starting at $281. I mean, Philly fans are dedicated. They're ready to see their team go all the way and win it this year rather than lose in the fall classic. We look at their best hitters, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper took a risk on himself as the LeBron of baseball and took the Juco route to speed up this entire process and get to the big leagues quicker. He opens with the Washington Nationals as a 19-year-old, and he lives up to the hype all the way through. If it's a big game for Washington in October, he comes through. And then he signs that $300 million deal with Philly, and there are some question marks. Is this guy legit? Is he going to come through when it matters most? And man, oh man, has he done that and more. I used to not be a big fan of Bryce Harper, but it's hard not to like a guy now when he keeps doing it and doing it every single season. Um, Bryce, 293, 21 bombs, 72 RBIs in the regular season. And this was amidst his awful injury to the UCL, was dh for the majority of the first half, and has now embraced the role at first base, and he's a pretty solid first baseman at that. I mean, you wouldn't expect a guy to go out there and just learn that position. It's a tough position. If you play baseball, you know how important a good first baseman is. And he's embraced it. He hasn't complained one time. And he's just dominated. I mean, you look at his postseason numbers. 12 hits already, 5 homers, 8 RBIs. Just ridiculous. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does tonight. It feels like every time he gets up in that box, at Citizens Bank Park especially, you're expecting a home run. You're expecting the ball going a long, long way. Because he does it so often. Nicholas Castellanos, he has struggled. Struggled mightily in the past few games. He's bound to break out. Kyle Schwarber, he hit one of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit in my life. Last game. Just a shot. And 460, 115 exit. I mean, come on now. So this lineup is the best lineup in the league. No doubt in my mind. The pitching's been so good. They're going to be hard to beat. Do the D-backs have a little bit of magic left? The issue is that their best hitters haven't been coming to play. Christian Walker been struggling in this postseason, in particular this series. Corbin Carroll, your normal five-tool guy, similar to Kyle Tucker, but with more speed, he hasn't been there. And I look at them, and they really have to embrace it. Lavello's experimenting with Tommy Pham sitting and starting Paven Smith against certain matchups. You just got to go out and just play Tommy Pham. You traded for him at the deadline. Don't overthink it. Play Evan Longoria at third. You need that glove out there. Perdomo at short. Got to go right at it, attack the day, and hope that Merrill Kelly 
can pitch a gem. You know, Merrill has been good. We've seen flashes with this three ERA and .92 whip. You know, he's striking out guys. He doesn't throw a ton of velo, but the long ball is something he struggled with in the postseason. You got to minimize that. If I were to give you a prediction, I think the Phillies get it done tonight. I think Phillies in six, and they go back to the World Series for the second year running. This team feels like it's just going to overpower the Diamondbacks, and they got their luck, and it's going to run out. But I would hope to be wrong, because it'd be amazing to see another Game 7 in the playoffs. Let me know what you guys think on the predictions. Let me know what you guys think about this MLB playoffs. I've loved every second of it, and I cannot wait for tonight. Moving on to the NFL we had a big day, tons of upsets. I mean, when I look at my pick usually we're rolling in with 11 right, 12 right. This week, it was more like eight or nine because of all the upsets. We start with Thursday night, Trevor Lawrence versus Derek Carr. Obviously, Derek Carr in a new offense in New Orleans, but he just hasn't been the same quarterback. Yeah, you look at the raw numbers, 301 yards passing, but only one touchdown, one pick. Alvin Kamara, he's been a workhorse, especially in the checkdown game. Just a little safety valve. For Derek Carr, he had 17 carries for 62 yards and then 12 catches for 91 yards. Just a monster day. The Jags moved to 3-0 on the road, and I talked about it. I knew they were going to have a game soon where they proved to the world that they were a contender. And I think this was in the right direction. I don't think they've achieved that status just yet. But you look at their upcoming schedule, they're going to get a lot of wins. And in a division now that doesn't have Anthony Richardson with the Indianapolis Colts, that has a struggling Tennessee Titans, you're going to end up winning this thing pretty easily. You look at the remaining schedule, or the upcoming, I should say. Steelers on the road, Niners at home, Titans at home, Texans at home, Bengals at home. I mean, that sounds like a lot of potential wins if you play up to potential maybe not the Niners at home but you still could get that win we know what the power of home teams is in the NFL first in the AFC South they look really good Travis Etienne is amazing keep a lookout for this Jacksonville Jaguars squad the Raiders and the Bears battle of two backup quarterbacks Brian Hoyer the vet who backed up Tom Brady for so many years and then Tyson Badgett who's the D2 legend from Shepherd College they both went at it Tyson outplayed him a little bit. We saw him with 162 yards passing, one touchdown. The Bears' defense looked good. Jalen Johnson ended up getting a pick six on an awful throw from Brian Hoyer. Rough, rough go of things for the Raiders. So both these teams not very good. But the Bears, they get a home win. Maybe a little momentum moving forward, hoping to get Fields back shortly. Deontay Foreman, he had just a monster day. 82 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. He was catching passes out of the backfield too. Really fun day, and the Bears got it done. Browns Colts, I've been the biggest Browns believer all year. Deshaun Watson early goes out, goes into concussion protocol. You think they're done, and they still end up putting up 39 points. P.J. Walker, I'm scared he's going to take that starting job, and Deshaun's just going to be getting paid $50 million to sit on the bench. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. 39-38, it was a shootout in a game that I expect to be low scoring. And we look at the Colts side of the ball I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he's finally coming back. Josh Downs, guy that nobody's really heard of. Five receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Minshew looked good. Kareem Hunt, he was getting the majority of the snaps for the Browns in the backfield. And yet they end up pulling away. I mean, Amari Cooper didn't do a ton. Elijah Moore didn't do a ton. But they somehow won this game. They're 4-2. and two. I honestly still think if they get Nick Chubb back, and they have a healthy Deshaun Watson, they're a Super Bowl contender because this defense is so good. 
Now you ask the 38 points. I mean, that doesn't demonstrate a good defense, but watch. The eye test exudes that they are a very good defense. And honestly, the numbers besides yesterday really do exemplify that. So look out for the Browns. I mean, in an AFC North that's so tight, I don't know who's going to win. It's going to come down to those head-to-head matchups, and I'm really interested to see what happens. The Patriots stun the Bills at home in Foxborough. Mac Jones, it's either you look awful or you look really good. Just interesting to watch every week. 272 yards passing, two touchdowns. James Cook finally getting the majority of the workload for Buffalo in the backfield. Love what I saw to him. And finally, Dalton Kincaid getting involved in the offense. It seemed like he was that early pick that we were waiting to see break out, and he finally has a big day. He went 25th overall to Buffalo, and he has eight receptions for 75 yards. It seems like he'd just been running routes and blocking at this point. But yeah, a big day. Love what I saw to Kincaid, but nonetheless, the Bills, who are supposed to be a contender, are 4-3 and three and bad on the road. Josh Allen's not playing well enough. And the Patriots, they squeak out a big win. Interesting. In tank mode, getting this win isn't ideal. But you got to play to win the game. So that's what's beautiful about it. Big win for the Pats. Giants commanders battle the two very mediocre teams. The Giants win 14-7. Tyrod Taylor taking Daniel Jones' job is a serious conversation with how he's been playing. He played good yesterday. I watched that game. Love what I saw from him. Saquon, maybe he's back. 21 carries, 77 yards. And Darren Waller. On National Tight Ends Day, the tight ends were balling. Seven receptions for 98 yards. The Giants get a win. Now, don't think that the Giants are back because they're nowhere close to back. They're lucky to win this one. But yeah, a win is a win nonetheless. Looking forward to see what Dable and those boys can do moving forward. Falcons-Bucks. This was a huge game for NFC South implications, and the Buccaneers just fold. It seems like the Falcons gave them so many chances, whether it was Ritter walking in the end zone and getting it punched out by the DB at the last second. Drake London not crossing the pylon on that big catch. But the Falcons somehow pull it out. Baker looks shaky in the red zone. It seems like the Bucks just couldn't capitalize. And the Falcons get a massive win. They were my preseason pick to win this division. I think they're going to win this division, especially after this game. 16-13 to the final. Young Way Koo hits a game-winning field goal. The Falcons win. The Ravens absolutely dominate the Red Hot Lions and put Lamar Jackson into the serious MVP conversation. 357 for three touchdowns. He does it with his legs, with the arm. So, so good. He's already won one MVP. Why not one another? Jameer Gibbs with David Montgomery out gets a heavier workload. 11 carries for 68 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown. He did what he always does. 13 for 102. But the story was the Ravens and the Ravens defense. They're 5-2 and two atop of the AFC North. They're a contender. That whole division is 500 or better. They're all so good, and it'll be interesting to see what happens as the season continues. Big win for Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson picking up four touchdowns. The Steelers beat the Rams on the road in a game I had no idea what was going to happen in. I mean, you look at Matt Stafford, he's finally getting healthy, a good offensive line, but it just wasn't enough. The Steelers somehow find a way to win games. It's that Mike Tomlin magic. The defense is good. Kenny Pickett, he's not very good, but Deontay Johnson was back, one of his best targets, finding George Pickens, Jalen Warren looks good, Najee had a better game, and then the Rams, Puka Nakua, out of this world, eight receptions for 154 yards, Cup was quiet yesterday, and ultimately it wasn't enough. 
when I look at the Steelers, they just they seem to win games, but they're not that good. I don't know how to gauge it week in, week out. But yeah, they beat the Rams. That's a big win. 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Impressive, impressive win. So this is a team to look for. I, I don't know what I'm looking for exactly, but big win for Pittsburgh nonetheless. The Seahawks, they beat the Cardinals. They should beat the Cardinals. Jackson Smith and Njigba getting more of the target share. Looks like he's going to be taking a step. Kenneth Walker was dominant. Not much there, but the Cardinals, they continue to tank for Caleb Williams or whoever they want at the top of that draft. Currently, actually, the Bears hold that, but we'll see if Arizona ends up getting one of the top five picks. Packers, Broncos. I thought the Broncos were going to somehow win. They did somehow win. It's a great way to put it. Corlin Sutton had a nice day. Some crucial interceptions for Jordan Love. Overthrows, none of it looked good. You're in the Mile High City. Tough to breathe up there. Don't know if that was a factor, but Broncos somehow get a win. Sean Payton looking to turn this whole thing around after hoping to be the savior who hasn't done much. 1917, the Broncos win. The Chiefs dominate. Mahomes look like Mahomes. 424 yards passing. Four touchdowns. Had a pick. But Kelsey, man. Oh my goodness. I'm a little sick of the whole Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, it's good for the game. A little too much for sure. But 12 receptions for 179 yards and a touchdown is ridiculous. He's one of the best tight ends, if not the of all time, ready to have that conversation. Chiefs are 6-1, 3-1 at home. There's an argument that they are the AFC favorites. Only time will tell. Big win for Kansas City. Eagles on primetime beat the Dolphins. I thought the Dolphins were going to be too high-powered of an offense, and they were going to take down Philadelphia. I was wrong. The Eagles are 3-0 at home, 6-1. Overall, it seems like the officials were also on their side. Some crucial missed pass interference call, missed holding calls. That tush push is just undefeated. Jalen Hurts, he never wows me with his play, but he always does enough to get a win. And honestly, that's all you can ask for. DeAndre Swift, 15 carries, 62 yards, and A.J. Brown. That one throw, I will say, though, by Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown in double coverage late. Wow. I was on the edge of my seat watching that. Big-time throw, big-time catch, 10 for 137 on the day, and a touchdown. The Eagles are dominant. Them and the Niners in the NFC. We saw it last year. I'm excited to see it again this year, especially in the playoffs. We will see what happens next. Big week in the NFL. Moving on to the NBA. It starts on Tuesday. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. So many storylines for this upcoming season, and I'm going to give you a brief power rankings to how I think this season is going to end up. I'm going to start in the Western Conference, which I believe is the best Western Conference we've seen in recent memory. You look at the bottom half of the West, whoever you want to put down there, whether it's San Antonio, whether it's Utah, whether it's Portland, New Orleans, whoever you want to put down there, Houston, they're all going to be good. And they could beat your favorite team on any given night. They could potentially make the play and they could potentially make the playoffs. I honestly think when I look at past years in ranking teams, this is the most difficult, especially in the West. I will be doing a full breakdown show tomorrow night of my Western Conference rankings, my Eastern Conference rankings, the whole NBA season. So excited to bring that to you guys. But for now, I'm just going to hit on some NBA news. James Harden is still absent and unclear if he's going to play The status for the opener is up in the air. If you're in Philadelphia, I talk about this all the time. This is the best situation if you're James Harden. 
James Harden's a pick and roll player, in especially at this point in his career. When you're playing with Joel Embiid, that's the best duo you're possibly going to have. If you want to go to Houston and you want to take 30 shots a game and not win a lot, but that's what you want to play, you can go and do that. But if your goal, as James Harden put it, towards the beginning of his career was to win championships, then he should go and win a championship with the Philadelphia 76ers because they got a lot better this offseason. They really did. This is the best situation you're going to get, James. You should stay. But he wants to be a clipper for some reason, and that just wouldn't work. We know what ISO scores do in this league. They never work together, and that's why the Suns are also a question mark for me. Aaron Neesmith, he signed a three-year, $33 million extension with the Pacers. It's ridiculous what type of money is in the NBA now. I look at Zach Collins getting a big-time extension, Denny Avdia. It's like all these role players that you wouldn't expect to be getting paid a lot are getting paid a lot. And guessing what money is going to look like in 20 years in the NBA is just out of this world in my mind. Steven Adams with the Memphis Grizzlies needs knee surgery. He's one of the best players on this team. Kind of that backbone. You bring in Marcus Smart. You have this defensive identity who's going to go hit guys, be bumping down low. And now losing Steven Adams, you don't have that side of basketball. It's a big loss. Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously a defensive player of the year. But that is a hole that they're going to be missing. And I'm interested to see how Jenkins and the front office address that. The Suns. They cut Keon Johnson, really good player out of college at Tennessee. Somebody's going to pick him up. Obviously not a contender, but I think a a young team who needs a guard that they can develop would love Keon Johnson. He could fit their mold. And obviously Spurs, they signed Collins to a two-year $35 million extension. As I talked about, just ridiculous money in the NBA right now. The NHL, it has been a joy to get into it, to watch it all unfold the Boston Bruins they're 5-0 and they're back to that championship identity I don't know how but the Philadelphia Flyers are 3-1 and they look good the Avalanche look like the Stanley Cup favorite at 5-0 and Vegas is also up there at 6-0 and those are all the top teams I've watched a lot of Vancouver Canucks they look good Dallas Stars look good you know I've also been shocked about the Detroit Red Wings a team that not a lot of people have talked about they've also looked good interested to keep seeing these players shine And see how this NHL season unfolds because it is really, really close in every single division. Some big games tonight. Well, there's just one. Montreal takes on Buffalo. Montreal should win this game, but we will see what happens. Buffalo looking to end a little bit of a drought. And soccer, U.S. men's national team. They've been playing, been watching a little bit of their action. They ended up beating Ghana last week in an international friendly. They've done well. They lost to Germany a few days before that. And they're getting ready for the Nations League first leg. They're playing Trinidad and Tobago. Should be able to win that pretty easily. So that's all I got for soccer as well. Busy week. So much going on. I can't wait to keep bringing it to you on all the platforms. But this is all I have for the podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. It was a pleasure talking to you as always. Watch out for the MLB. You need to be watching that. World Series is right around the corner and the NBA starts on Tuesday. Thank you all for tuning in once again. Have a great rest of your week.